Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Goodwill Meditation Group webinar. Today's January 31st, 2024. We're so glad to have all of you joining us here today to take part in this important work. And so we meet here today to take part in a group meditation on goodwill, of course, and to discuss issues of relevance to humanity's spiritual and social evolution. Today, humanity faces a number of problems across practically every sector. But from one perspective, this is really an intense phase of growth, which necessarily produces challenges, all of them opportunities to move forward towards a world based on sounder values, understanding, compassion, sharing, and goodwill. And so one of the objectives of World Goodwill is to promote a worldwide recognition of the power of goodwill through educational programs, as well as programs um, promoting subtle actions which draw on the power of thought, such as our meditation group today. Our aim in this is to cultivate a spiritual perspective of the future, uh, which is founded on the fact of divinity transcendent in nature, and imminent in every human being. And so this positive vision is based on a recognition of the imminence and the power of the human soul, which we believe is adequate to solve all of humanity's problems. The soul, however, must first be awakened. And this awakening requires the cultivation of virtue, requires right vision, intellect, the power of focused will and intention to see through such a profound transformation of human thinking and of being, which today's challenges definitely require. And so in support of these aims, the Goodwill Meditation Group unites in meditation every Wednesday at noon in your local time zone. And we invite all of you to link up each week and to join in wherever you are. And this webinar meets on the last Wednesday of each month and seeks to support the weekly work of the group by um, introducing new members and also by hosting usually a guest to um, come and speak about some um, issue of relevance to, to humanity's spiritual and social evolution. Um, today, unfortunately, the guest that we had invited um, had to cancel at the very last minute just this morning. And so um, in her place, I'm going to, after our meditation today, do a brief review of the recent um, COP28 conference, UN Climate Conference. Um, and we can, for those of you who'd like to stick around, um, engage in a discussion um, around that very important and consequential event. And so to get us started today, uh, let us just take a moment of quiet alignment um, and connection with the group. And we'll sound together the mantra of the new group of world servers followed by a single sounding of the OM. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech. Oh. 
So today's, uh, the, the theme or focus of today's meeting was going to be on, or is still on climate adaptation and um, the new loss and damage regime, which we'll talk about later after our meditation in relation to the COP28. Um, but I wanted to reflect now briefly on the role of responsibility, um, of spiritual responsibility of humanity to the to the planetary life in which we live. And so as many of us know, spiritual traditions around the world teach that the planet itself is much more than a giant rock floating in space. Many of them teach also that it's more than just, the planet is more than just green forests and blue oceans, beautiful, tall and majestic mountains and fresh, um, rejuvenating air Interpenetrating and underlying the wonder and beauty of the natural world is what we call the world soul, which is an invisible presence which animates and sustains and also unites all creation. The soul ensures that spirit and matter remain in constant intercourse and therefore communication throughout the long process of evolution. And so throughout all the vicissitudes of the human psyche, throughout all the great cataclysms of nature, the most terrible destructions, as well as through the moments of highest beauty and glory and achievement, we know that the spirit of our earth remains through all of them, at one with the world's soul, underlying life and all events inner and outer. This great spirit of the earth presides and watches over all the many grades of life within its sphere. And the salvation of these little lives is the driving purpose of its existence. And so the eminence of divinity in all things is from one angle the basis for the sacredness of the natural world. And this is a component if most of most, if not all of the world's religious and spiritual traditions. And it is because of this eminence, perhaps, that the earth is called um, the Great Mother, for she is the giver and sustainer of life. She is the great container, we are told, in which the great drama of evolution unfolds. And not just the great container, though, she is also the in many ways, the evolving life itself for all life forms find their expression and manifestation within her being. So as we know, the mother is often associated with love and with the heart. And Mother Earth is therefore often portrayed as in possession of a divine and unlimited or sort of superhuman love. She sacrifices her very essence for the thriving of the many lives which she seeks to birth, nourish, and shepherd through the process of death, of restitution, and of constant rebirth, which is a major theme of, of nature. And so given the inherently spiritual nature of our planet, um, it's no surprise that the today what we have you know, in the human kingdom is a many would say a pronounced selfishness and materialism, which is representative of our, of our age. And this is leading, as we know, to the destruction of habitats and of ecosystems. And it is disrupting, at least in some degree, the natural order of our beautiful and sacred planet. And so it's no surprise that this tendency towards materialism is having adverse effects on something which is so emblematic of, of the spiritual. As we know, Earth is our sacred home. We have no other. It's more than just a physical home, of course. And so, therefore, we have a moral and spiritual responsibility to be its stewards. And this practically all religions acknowledge. The Ageless Wisdom teaches that the human being is possessed of what we call a spark of mind, and therefore intelligence. And this, therefore, implies moral choice, and therefore responsibility. And um, because we can think and act in moral ways, we therefore um, have the power for great moral good. 
but as we know, humanity has been in possession of this power for a very, very, very long time. But we're just now coming to a state of moral maturity in which for the first time ever, we can and are acting to employ this special moral power on a mass scale. This is naturally producing a lot of disagreement and conflict and struggle and difficulty and crisis. Um, but this is necessarily part of any movement forward, um, significant movement forward in consciousness. And so as we know, the work uh, at the UN and around the world on environmental stewardship has been going on now for many decades. And um, more recent years, due to the belief that um, profound changes in climate, man-made changes in climate, and, excuse me, um, man-made changes in climate and devastation are expected to cause and are already causing um, that major work is now being done in the areas of adaptation as well as loss and damage to help um, the peoples that are most valuable or most vulnerable to these climate shocks. And so our meditation today has the aim of um, helping to, in alignment with this great movement in human consciousness, this great recognition of the importance of Earth's stewardship, our meditation today has the aim of cultivating, as it always does, the spiritual atmosphere, the right spiritual atmosphere in which these universal values which underlie this recognition, which is brotherhood, compassion, responsibility, um, brotherhood and sisterhood, of course, um, that these universal values are becoming more potent, um, more present, and therefore can more potently um, influence human minds. We can imagine a, um, an international and subjective network of, of, of this sort of universal, um, universal brotherhood, sisterhood, in which our work with uniting what we call hierarchy and humanity or the spiritual and the human and the mundane kingdoms um, is actually just part of a great global, global effort which is involving all the world's spiritual traditions which are working towards basically the same aim. And I think it's important that we shouldn't let the um, heterogeneity of this great global effort distract us from recognition of, of, the, of, the, of the unity of purpose which underlies it. And so we can imagine today that this, you know, the thoughts which we create, the focused meditation that we're going to be involved in, the energy which is, which is focalized through our group efforts, not just today but every week, because this is a weekly group, um, is creating a definite and concrete um, movement in consciousness. It's creating a definite influence in which definitely does um, affect other people affects people's tendency towards the good, which aids them to do the right and um, helps them in that way. We can think of it sort of like a, like a great friend, you know, people who sometimes are in a state of moral crisis. They don't know maybe which way to turn towards, the, towards one way or the other. And when, you know, the decision before them, whether it's good or bad, isn't always entirely clear. Um, in those types of situations, sometimes what we need is a good friend, um, a really good friendship who helps us to stand by and do the right. And so perhaps today we could think of our meditation like a universal and global friendship in which we are, you know, with friends you're, I think, especially receptive to the way they think, to their opinions, and to their sort of moral alignment. And so we can think of, of this meditation today as a, as a, great moral friendship with the world and a unification in that way. And so without further ado, let us now um, move into our meditation on goodwill. And so we begin by linking up in thought with all those people throughout the world who are working, not just in this Goodwill Meditation group, but in all the many groups of religious, religious and spiritual traditions around the world who are working for the betterment of humanity, 
and acknowledging that this is one great human work which we are involved in. So we move now as a group into a reflection upon the fact of relationship. We are all related to our families. to our communities, to our nations, to the world of nations. one humanity made up of all races and nations. now affirm the fact of this planetary interrelationship not just within humanity but the whole planetary life and we sound together the mantra of unification the souls of all are one and I am one with them I seek to love not hate I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate 
and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Reflect upon your own and humanity's relationship with all those beings who dwell in the higher realms of mind and heart. The spiritual hierarchy of saints, rishis, bodhisattvas, and masters honored by all the world's religious and spiritual groups. Now imagine that you are standing within the center of the spiritual hierarchy, this great hierarchy of saints, immersed in the consciousness of the heart of love. For some, this heart of love is known as the Christ. Other faiths have other names for the one at the center. Maintaining that high point of contact, let your thoughts reach out to include all members of the human family in whom the energy of goodwill is active. Sound the affirmation of love. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. You visualize the energy of love flowing 
from the hierarchy through the men and women of goodwill and into the hearts and minds of all people, infusing them with goodwill and creating loving and harmonious relationships. Meditate on ways of spreading goodwill, creating right human relationships, and restoring peace on earth. Realize that you are helping to build a channel between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity through which the energy of goodwill may flow, uniting humanity, humanity, solving its problems, and healing all cleavages.
linked in thought with the men and women of goodwill all over the world, sound the great invocation of the Lucy adapted version. Say it with deliberation and with full commitment to its meaning, knowing that you are rating its potent energies to humanity and to all life forms on our planet. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you so much, everyone. So, um, as I mentioned, we had planned to have a guest today, but unfortunately she did have to cancel the last minute. And so, um, those of you who would like to stick around, I'd like to give a brief overview of the recent COP28 conference, um, which just occurred this past uh, November 30th, December 13th, I think. Yeah, December 13th, just this past year, two months ago. And um, I invite all of you, um, you know, the, the presentation won't be very long, and so the floor will then be open for a discussion on the, on the theme and on the conference itself. And so I invite all of you to stick around, and um, if you have any thoughts, you know, as I'm giving a sort of brief overview of some of the important events that happened there, uh, you can jot that down, and then the floor will be open, and uh, happy to call on anybody who would like to speak. So... Um, as some of us know, the COP28 stands for Conference of the Parties, is um, one in a long series of UN climate conferences. Um, the most recent one, November 30th to December 13th, just last year, um, was a significant one in that there was a real, uh, what many would call a landmark decision. Um, the output of that conference was called the Global Stock Take. Um, which many have said is have um, heralded this as the beginning of the end of the fossil fuel era. There were um, sort of mixed responses. Um, those of us that were sort of following the conferences will have seen in the media. Um, on one hand, it did exceed most everyone's very, very, I guess what we would say, modest expectations um, for the outcomes. Um, but it also, by others' estimations, definitely does still fall short of what some believe to be required to meet uh, destructive shifts in what they would call human-made climate change. And so a lot of this revolved around language and the declaration, um, 
whether that language would say the phase out um, of fossil fuels, which would mean eventual, their eventual entire removement, removing from the from use, um, versus transition away from. And so the transition away from was the one that they ultimately did agree upon. Um, and 200 countries pledged to to do this move away from fossil fuels. And so that sense it was significant. Um, but it was problematic for some because this was seen as a sort of way out for the fossil fuel companies while they can just, they don't have to stop entirely actually. A certain number of fossil fuels could continue allegedly under that language. Um, so the stock take though um, does call um, for a tripling of renewable energy capacity, um, a doubling of energy efficiency improvements all by 2030, um, the list of agreements also includes accelerating efforts towards the phase down of unabated coal power, phasing out inefficient fossil fuel subsidies and other measures that um, do drive, that will drive the transition away from fossil fuels and the energy systems in what they call a just, orderly, and equitable manner. Uh, a significant part about the about this this last year's COP was also the implementation of a loss and damage regime. Um, parties agreed to a historic, really was a historic agreement which operationalized this very large, what hopefully will become a very large loss and damage fund, which aims to help promote um, countries um, and communities which are most um, damaged by uh, measurable um, effects of, of climate change, whether that's adverse weather, rising sea levels, um, this is especially small island developing states and others which have you know pretty significant costs associated already with um, damages and so this is a fund which has helped to alleviate some of those damages um, commitments to the fund started um, right away after the decision was made to create it um, just at the conference alone there was more than 700 million US dollars which were pledged to the fund of course much more is needed for a healthy fund. Their estimates are somewhere around 400 billion, but at least this is a start. Um, also very significant um, was the strong focus at the COP on climate finance. Um, there was still some criticism, of course, because a lot of the work done was still considered sort of um, foundational with a lot of pledges, not really concrete commitments. Um, but the basic problem here when it comes to climate finance, just to make this sort of clear, is that um, there have been, as, as, as we know, a lot of um, rising interest rates in advanced economies or developed, developed economies. And this means that the high levels of debt which developing countries have taken on are becoming more and more expensive to service. Um, there's a lot of debt crises around the world. Um, the summit of the future later this year is also taking a major focus on debt refinancing. That's a whole sort of different, different um, related but different uh, uh, thing we can talk about as well. But um, these debt repayments have left really um, poor nations in a state where they really cannot finance even sort of basic social services like health um, and that sort of thing, much less to invest in climate change mitigation or environmental sustainability. And I was surprised to learn myself that uh, over 70 nations are today in what's called debt distress, meaning that they are either have already defaulted on loan repayments or are on track to default in the near future. And so at the COP28, what we had was called the Declaration on Global Climate Finance Framework. Um, I can share the link to that in the, in the chat. Um, but what this aims to do is to pave the way for climate finance reform. And so in that sense, it's really just foundational and that it's helping to prepare the way to unlock large scale investments on a very large scale to help green the global economy. Um, the chief or the head of the COP, um, Dr. Al-Jaber, um, said that this declaration focuses, quote, first on rebuilding trust, second on reframing climate investments, its economic opportunities, and third on scaling up climate finance. And so he said that no single initiative was going to create the climate finance system, which we need. And so what we really need is a whole ecosystem of finance, financial solutions. And so this framework helps to do 
just that. Let me just bring up the chat room. So here's the link to that, if anybody's interested. Of course, didn't copy, there we go. And so um, the um, final thing I'd like to speak about, which was less uh, well publicized at the COP, um, but very significant, I think, especially related to World Goodwill's group. And this was the um, institution of what they called a faith pavilion. And so this faith, faith pavilion was something that had, uh, it was like a, a, a forum, a prepared forum, which had talks throughout all 11 days of the conference, um, which brought together faith leaders from across the entire world um, to focus on this important issue of uh, climate stewardship, environmental stewardship, and responsibility. And for many, it really emerged as a symbol and a catalyst for uh, transformational change and was um, a way to integrate spirituality and faith into this very important global conversation on climate and the environment. Um, it was a real testament to the growing recognition and the crucial role that faith actors and organizations can play in addressing not just the climate issues, but also um, world uh, significant uh, social issues broadly. Um, speakers across the 11 days brought much needed values into the discussion, such as compassion, solidarity, responsibility, wisdom, um, vision for the future, that sort of thing. And so this faith pavilion actually did gain, although I hadn't heard of it until recently, it gained quite wide recognition in the media, so it wasn't really like sort of a side event at all. There was over 4,000 articles um, published on the pavilion and its work after the COP was completed and during during its time leading up to it. Um, New York Times, AFP, Political, all wrote serious articles about this. Um, Euro News um, published an op-ed from the, um, which was co-authored by uh, Kushwant Kush Singh, who was the who is the um, head of the Secretariat of the PARD, which is the International Partnership on Religion and Sustainable Development. And there's a quote by him I would just like to read briefly. He says that the the Faith Pavilion, which featured over 320 speakers from all over the world, sparked transformative paradigm shifts, evoking actions, virtues, and wisdom needed for the safeguarding of the well-being of all sentient beings and of protecting nature and the whole of Mother Earth, values such as inclusivity, humbleness, honesty, farsightedness, and altruism are crucial, especially and particularly among decision makers. And so this um, Faith Pavilion, um, and I'm going to show a short video actually, um, was significant because what it, what it came together really for the signing um, of this, this um, statement called the Call of Conscience, which was um, signed by the um, Ahmed Al-Tayeb, the Grand Imam of the Al-Azhar um, Mosque and the Chairman of the Muslim Council of Elders, and also by um, Pope Francis, the Pontiff of the Catholic Church. And um, so I'd like to just share now a short video on that, uh, just with, with statements by, by each of these great uh, religious leaders, sorry, one second. أبعث بتحية إعزاز واحترام إلى أخي العزيز صاحب السمو الشيخ محمد بن زايد آل نهيان وأرى أن هذه الخطوة المهمة والمبادرة الاستثنائية التي تقدم بها مجلس حكماء المسلمين لدعوة رموز الأديان المختلفة لتوقيع وثيقة نداء الضمير في بيان أبو ظبي المشترك بين الأديان من أجل المناخ وكذلك لإنشاء جناح الأديان ولأول مرة داخل مؤتمر الأطراف الثامن والعشرين وهي فرصة ثمينة لتعزيز الجهود من أجل حماية 
Gracias porque han realizado por primera vez un pabellón religioso dentro de una COP. Y gracias porque esto atestigua la voluntad de trabajar juntos. Hoy el mundo tiene necesidad de alianzas que no sean contra alguien, sino a favor de todos. I would like to thank Dr. Hamad Al-Tayeb, grand imam of Al-Hazar, who has assured me of his closeness, the Muslim Council of Elders, whom I met a year ago, the United Nations Environment Program, and all the partners who organized and supported this faith pavilion. It is the first of its kind at the heart of a COP, and it shows that all authentic religious beliefs are a source of encounter and action. The ladies and gentlemen, before four years, on this beautiful country, and in Abu Dhabi, the capital of Samoa, تم توقيع أهم وثيقة في التاريخ الحديث بين الإسلام والمسيحية وقعها الإمام الطيب وأخيه البابا فرانسيس واليوم يكتمل ملتقى الضمير لتوحيد الجهود من أجل كوكب الأرض بكتابة صفحة جديدة من كتاب اللقاء بين الضمائر اليقظة بتوقيع واستكمال التوقيع من البابا فرانسيس والإمام الطيب على بيان ونداء الضمير للإسلام موقف محدد من قضية البيئة وعناصرها ومن ثم كان الإنسان في منطق الإسلام مسؤولا عن البيئة مسؤوليته عن نفسه وعن إخوته من بني آدم ejemplo como representantes religiosos para mostrar que un cambio es posible para manifestar estilos de vida respetuosos y sostenibles So yeah, hopefully that gave a better uh, sort of overview of the of the significance of the of the um, of the call for conscience that was signed, and also the faith pavilion itself, which really helped to sort of organize around this this theme. And um, yeah, so the floor is now open for anyone who would like to share. I see great uh, lots of great things in the chat. Um, if anybody would like to share audibly, you can just raise your hand by going to your Reactions icon on your Zoom toolbar and clicking raise hand, and uh, I'll unmute you. So I'm just going back to the messages here. Uh, uh, Lois Eichelson says, thank you, Michael. I'm happy to hear about COP28. We know it will, for now, always fall short as greed is so powerful. I think we have to take what we can get, at least thought forms of positive and creative solutions to south the atmosphere. Absolutely. McKinsey had these 10 takeaways from COP28. Some Marty um, shared a link. We have several hands here raised. I'm going to go ahead and go with um, Sam. Hello, Michael. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, with all these things, I suppose I sat back and said before I ask anything, what is it that I can do? And... Um, I know how important the cycle of conference meditations have been. Um, and I suppose that's really the place where we as a group are acting from. Um, 
I wonder if it's time that, you know, maybe we have a more regular meeting for the cycle of conferences. You mean like do, to focus on more initiatives throughout the year? Or yeah. you mean like a webinar or something? Well, any to add anything to it. I mean, like, you know, every week we, we do the, the, the Christ meditation and money for the hierarchy and the world goodwill, obviously. Um, you know, maybe this, this is where the energy has to come from. Um, I know I've been using the, um, the affirmations or the meditation seed thoughts that we had from um, Cycle of Conference quite regularly. Because they really are so important, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sam. I think. Thank um, you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, for me, I think the work we're doing in all the meditations, especially the Goodwill meditation, but all of them, is sort of, sort of each of them also are supporting the same work as well. Whereas the cycle of conferences, which we can talk more about in a moment, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Uh, it's just much more specific and focused on a particular event. But as you say, they're very universal as well. So yeah, perhaps there is uh, something there. And it's I think it's great that you're working with those seed thoughts and I continue to work with them. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we have Steve. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much. Um, thanks for that. I Thanks for your wonderful talk and the very fine introduction. I was really pleased you drew attention to the Faith Pavilion because I think that's a sign. It's the first time there's been a Faith Pavilion, as I understand it, or anything like that at such a high level at a COP. And I think that is really, that relates to the cycle of conferences work because that the discussions that were held there and the outcomes are really about purpose and they're about a sense of being part of a divine order. So it's less about what, like in the Tibetan's writings when he's writing about sort of the religions working together, in, in the faith pavilion we see that that's just happening and it's happening at the highest level. Sort of it would have been unimaginable, I think, probably in, in DK's, in the time when DK was writing with Alice Bailey. So to me, that's a sign that humanity is starting to be able to look at this enormous transformation that's happening in consciousness, symbolized by a shift in our relationship with the earth between humanity and the earth which can only take sort of all three decanates of the aquarian age so that's a whole that's thousands of years to come to full fruition and these negotiations and that are involving governments um trying to get some sort of common agreement in the face of an obvious problem we have are all of the steps that we need to go through and so the more we can just hold all this within a sense of goodwill and particularly in these in negotiations like COP just holding the energetic environment of those conferences within a sense of the will to good of humanity developing a will to good I can't imagine to me that I can't imagine anything better I love you the comments you made Sam because I also love that work um, and I think that just one thought I would have in terms of doing it more often I would encourage people to simply for a conference that you are particularly interested in like use that idea and because all the time you can be imagining you're not the only person um, this interfaith community this sort of deepening esoteric community is thinking is is is, is, is thinking about all these events I mean I'm particularly interested 
in the United Nations calendar, the um, UN Days and Years, and like out of following on COP, there was the in January, um, just a few days ago, it was the first ever International Day of Renewable Energy, and for me, it's the same thing. It's saying, okay, this is a sign of us starting to think as one global family, these international days, because it's a way of thinking about problems and possibilities, not from a national perspective, but from a global perspective. And that's the enormous transformation that human consciousness is going through. But thanks, um, thanks, Michael. And I hope just one thought, unfortunately, Hermana wasn't able to be here with us today, but she has a lot of expertise in these areas and has quite a, um, a deep focus um, and understands and has a familiarity with esoteric work. So I hope in the future we'll be able to have her on. Yeah, I hope Thanks, so Michael. Too. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Uh, we'll go with Char Campbell. Thank you, Michael, and thank you so much for all the work that Lucis does and um, that we are all doing towards these um, helping humanity gather together in better paths forward. I really appreciated the um, meditation today and all the ones that I'm able to attend. And I appreciated also the um, the video you showed actually brought tears to my eyes. Just the thought of people from different faiths coming together means a great deal to me. And I think when we hold in our hearts that sense of light and love and goodwill together and see ourselves as collaborating in positive ways, that it makes a huge difference. And I encourage all of us in any way we can to do that as often as possible. I do think it makes a huge difference in how things progress. So thank you so much, everyone, for all you. Thank you so much, Char. I absolutely agree. Um... Let's go to Swan Barrett next. Swan, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, yes, I would just like to comment. I also, um, uh, this was the first time I heard that they had a faith pavilion at the COP. And I also think it's the most encouraging sign that um, they are bringing in, you know, the consciousness from the faith perspective. And I was thinking that in a way, um, it reminded me of one of the problems of humanity being the problem of the churches uh, and in a way moving towards participating in something like the COP um, is a way of resolving what some of the, could be a way of resolving some of the problems of the churches which have, which have to do with institutionalization and dogmatism and exclusion of others and all these things so I think it's a most hopeful sign and um, I would I would I can only hope, you know, that also through our meditations, that this um, faith pavilion idea becomes more and more inclusive. You know, I mean, obviously the video focused very much on on, uh, on representatives from from two faiths, uh, you know, which which is fine for a start. And it's you know that so that's what I'm uh, what I'm hoping is that it's a great start and that it can maybe grow and blossom to include other faiths and religions um, to have that type of spirit and energy included in these conferences. So thank you for bringing that in. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Swan, and, and everybody who's who's commented. And there's tons of great messages messages in the chat as well, which I'm not going to have time to read all of them. But thank you all for your participation um, as well. I would just add on those comments in the Faith Pavilion that I think um, – what is really significant is, as you said, as you said, Swan, it um, helps to, uh, or sort sort of as you started to say, it helps to I think um, benefit, not benefit, but um, eliminate a bit of the crystallization which is happening in the churches, and to help them, I guess, uh, sort of move into a greater sort of livingness just by coming into relationship with another another tradition which has similar aims. Suddenly, you're beyond doctrine in that sense. Um, and also I think what's really significant is there's a lot of involvement, not just by religious people in the Faith Pavilion as well. I mean, I know Jeffrey Sachs was there. There was a clip I was going to show of him who was interviewed. He was taking part in that. Um, so it's not just that it's a bunch of religious leaders meeting separately on the side. Like this is an integral part of the conference. There was a lot of people 
meeting there that were, you know, politicians that were heavily involved in the political side of negotiations. And so that, to me, that was a very significant part. So we'll have Minza Vandervelde. Uh, you can have our... Yes, uh, thank you very much, Michael. Thanks very much for this introduction and the video, and especially this interface pavilion. I just want to mention that uh, this is not the only um, event or the only aspect where interface is playing a role. In Geneva, we have each year uh, at the UN an interface unity week, which is a whole week where all uh, face, well, all face the organism, organisms, the face themselves, communicate, um, develop plans and things like that. So it's good. It is magnificent that it is at the COP, but it's not the only part. There is already more going on in the interface world, which is a very positive sign in development consciousness, as, as Steve was mentioning. So I just wanted to mention that, and uh, I hope that this year there will be another one, and perhaps we can highlight that in, one, uh, in another webinar at another time. Thanks Absolutely, yeah, we, yeah, thanks, Ben. So we, yeah, we could have a whole webinar on, on, on that theme. That would be excellent. Okay. Sorry, did I cut you off? I didn't want to. No, no, no. I was. Okay, that was okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ben. So I appreciate it. Uh, and we're, it's already, it's already a time to conclude, but David Trice, if you have your hand raised, so I'd, we'd love to hear from you before we finish up. So I'll just unmute you. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yes, uh, one thing climate change and even religion has an effect on. Are people, uh, half of the world's population that live on $2 a day, it hugely affects the poor. Climate change induced by industry and, and, and man's ignorance is a huge impact on the poor. Just wanted to add that, share that for a moment. Thank you, David. Very important statement. Thank you. Thank you. So with that, it is... Uh an hour on now, so we're going to conclude the webinar. Uh, thank you all so much for your work today. Let's just end with a brief moment of silence, and then we'll, we'll finish. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you uh, next month, February 28th, for the next Goodwill webinar. Um, before that, though, we will have the next Triangles Meditation Group webinar for those of you who are interested and involved in the Triangles work on February um, 12th, Monday, February 12th. So we look forward to seeing you then. Take care.